Suckler's last victim was a 19-year-old student at Leeds University, Jacqueline Hill. The narrow back alleys around Bradford's university were sealed off tonight as police made a detailed search of the area. The body was found by a patrolling officer, well hidden behind a low stone wall at the back of a large terraced house. In October 1975, luck ran out for Ripper victim number one. Body identified as that of 28-year-old divorcee Wilma McCann. So, episode six, we've come here. Now, uh, today, it's going to be a grim one. We're doing Peter Sutcliffe. Peter William Sutcliffe, a.k.a. the Yorkshire Ripper. Sutcliffe is an infamous serial killer. He's dead now. So, let's add him to my army of dead people. (laughs) Now, trigger warning. There's murder and gore. So, uh, obviously, Sutcliffe murdered 13 women and attempted to murder seven others. He was sentenced to life 20 times. That then got changed to a whole life order. So he's in prison until he was dead. You're in there till you die. And he's dead now, thank fuck. (laughs) So, let's get ourselves acquainted with Peter Sutcliffe. June 2nd, 1946. Sutcliffe was born in Yorkshire. Bingley, to be precise, he was brought up in a working-class Catholic family. His parents were John and Kathleen. He left school at the age of 15 and had several jobs, including a gravedigger. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Between November 71 and April 73, Sutcliffe worked at a television factory on the production line. Well, the packaging production line. He left that job when he was asked to be a salesman. I mean, don't blame him. Retail is hell. Now, Sutcliffe's CV is extensive, so let's get the key points out there, shall we? So, we had a night shift job at an engineering firm. He took redundancy in 1975. And use that money, well half of the money, to pay for HTV driver training. So he could drive lorries or something, I don't know. But he got fired from the first one for stealing used tyres. I have no idea why he'd want used tyres, but uh, yep, they got rid of him. Then he got another one in October 76. I don't know, he found something. He found another job with lorries and good for him, whatever. Cool. He's a lorry driver. Great. So, Sutcliffe reportedly used prostitutes as a young man. Now, there are theories and speculations that he had a very triggering experience with a prostitute and her pimp, and they conned him out of some money. I wonder if they realise what they've started. Sutcliffe was obsessed with prostitutes, unhealthily obsessed. He would watch them solicit the streets of Leeds and Bradford. He loved watching them, he loved the voyeurism. Now, let's meet his wife. Yep, 
Someone married this sick bastard and uh, and I'm still sad, lonely and single. Great. Love that. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. I'm right. Sonia Zerma. Her and Sutcliffe met in 1967 and got married on August 10th, 1974. Now, during the marriage, Sonia suffered several miscarriages and could not have children. I mean, it's probably a blessing in disguise. You don't want many rippers running around, do you? It's not, it's not great. Probably not good genetics if you're a murderer. But, uh, good. Thank you, Sonia. <laughs> she was a teacher in training. And when she wasn't training to be a teacher, she was fucking an ice cream van driver. Yep. Had an affair. I mean, do you reckon she got free ice cream? Because that'll be... That's a deal breaker for me. I mean, cool. I'll cheat on anyone if I got free ice cream. But anyway, the couple were still together at the time of Sutcliffe's arrest. 1969. Sutcliffe met a prostitute whilst looking for the woman and the pimp that conned him out of money. He was in his friend's minivan, and he must have given him a lift there or something, I don't know. But when he got there, he walked down the road and followed a prostitute into the garage and hit her over the head with a stone in a sock. Sutcliffe said, I got out of the car, went across the road and hit her. The force of the impact tore the toe off the sock, and whatever was in it came out. Went back to the car and got in it. The prostitute didn't die, and she didn't press charges. Her husband was already in jail, and she was a known prostitute, so she knew that she wouldn't get very far. Nineteen seventy-five, Sutcliffe committed his second assault on July fifth, nineteen seventy-five. He attacked Anna Rogowski with a hammer. She was unconscious. He then slashed her stomach with a knife. A neighbour disturbed Sutcliffe and he left without killing her. Anna survived, but was left severely traumatised by the attack. Sutcliffe then attacked Olive Smelt in August. He used the same methods as last time. Struck her from behind and used a knife to slash her. This time it was above her buttocks. Sutcliffe was interrupted again and didn't kill her. Olive was left with clinical depression and mental health problems. August 27th. Sutcliffe attacked a 14-year-old girl. 14. Her name was Tracy Brown. She was walking down a country lane, and Sutcliffe struck her on the head. Five times. He ran when he saw a car headlight. Tracy survived, but needed brain surgery. Sutcliffe was not convicted for this, but confessed to it in 1992. Now for our first murder. Wilma McCann. October 30th, 1975. Wilma, a mother of four, was struck twice with a hammer and stabbed 15 times in the neck, the chest, and the stomach. This case involved 150 police officers, 
11,000 interviews and they still failed to find the culprit. Wow. One of Wilma's daughters committed suicide in 2007, triggered by the death of her mother. Nineteen seventy-six. Sutcliffe's next murder was in January. He stabbed forty-two-year-old Emily Jackson fifty-two times. Emily was struggling financially, so borrowed the family van and used it to exchange sexual favours for money. Sutcliffe found Emily on the street soliciting, and picked her up. He then drove her half a mile out to some empty buildings in an industrial estate. He hit her over the head with a hammer and then dragged her outside into a shitty yard full of rubbish. He then stabbed her in the neck, the chest and the stomach, all with a sharpened screwdriver. He then stomped on her thigh and left a boot mark. May 19th, 1976, Marcella Claxton, 20 years old. She was walking home from a party and she accepted a lift off of Sutcliffe. Listeners, do not do that. Do not accept lifts of strangers. Stranger danger, that's stupid. But Marcella got out of the car to have a wee and she was hit over the head with a hammer. Somehow she was alive. She remained alive and testified against Sutcliffe. I have no idea how she... she, How did you just... How did you survive that? I have no idea, but at the time... Marcella was four months pregnant and she suffered a miscarriage. Nineteen seventy seven February fifth Sutcliffe attacked Irene Richardson, a sex worker. She was bludgeoned to death with a hammer. Once dead Sutcliffe mutilated her body with a knife. April 23rd, Sutcliffe murdered Patricia Atkinson, a sex worker, in her flat, her own flat, and a bootprint was found on her bedsheets. June 26th, Sutcliffe murdered 16-year-old Jane MacDonald. Jane was not a sex worker. This scared the public. It could be anyone. Anyone could be a victim. In July, Sutcliffe assaulted Maureen Long and left her for dead. When he was interrupted, a witness misidentified his car and 300 police officers checked thousands of cars. No success. October 1st, 1977, another victim, Jean Jordan, a sex worker. In a confession, Sutcliffe realised the new £5 note he gave her was traceable. So he went to find her body where he left it mutilated it and moved it elsewhere. He did not find the £5 note. October 9th, Jean's body is found by future actor Bruce Jones. The £5 note was discovered in a secret compartment of Jean's handbag. This narrowed the search down to 8,000 employees. They would have received it in their wage packets. Now, the police interviewed 5,000 men, including Sutcliffe. Sutcliffe spent most of the evening of October 1st at a family party, so his alibi held up and he got away with it. December 14th, 
Sutcliffe attacked Marilyn Moore. She survived and described Sutcliffe to the police. The police still had no clue. Nineteen seventy-eight. Sutcliffe had been interviewed, and he still was not a suspect. January. Sutcliffe killed again. Yvonne Pearson, a sex worker who was twenty-one years old. He caved her head in with a hammer, jumped on her chest, and stuffed horsehair from a broken sofa into her mouth. Ten days later, he murdered another poor woman, another sex worker, Helen Ritka. She was 18. He gave her a lift. She got out of the car. Nearly. She was struck on the head five times. Most of her clothes were stripped from her body. Her bra and jumper were positioned above her breast. She was repeatedly stabbed in the chest. Her body was found three days later under a railway arch. May 16th. He attacks and kills Vera Millwood in a car park. Nineteen seventy nine April fourth Sutcliffe attacked and killed Josephine Whitaker, a building society clerk on her way home from work. For several months after Assistant Chief Constable George Oldfield was taunted by taped messages from a man claiming to be the murderer. I'm Jack. I see you are still having no look catching me. I have the greatest respect for you, George. But Lord, you are no near catching me now. Than four years ago when I started. I reckon your boys are letting you down, George. They can't be much good, can they? The only time they came near catching me was a few months back in Chapeltown when I was disturbed. I warned you in March that I'd strike again. Sorry it wasn't Bradford. I'm not quite sure when I'll strike again. But it will be definitely sometime this year. I'm not sure where. Maybe Manchester. I like it there. There's plenty of them knocking about. They never learn, do they, George? I bet you've warned them, but they never listen. Well, it's been nice chatting to you, George. Yours, Chuck the Ripper. That message was a hoax. It was an unemployed alcoholic called John Samuel Humble. Humble was convicted for perverting the cause of justice and he died in 2019, aged 63. September 1st, 1979. Sutcliffe murdered 20-year-old Barbara Leach, a uni student. Her body was found near her accommodation at Bradford University. This was Sutcliffe's 16th attack. Sutcliffe had been interviewed on at least two other occasions in 79, and he was still not a suspect. Nineteen eighty April Sutcliffe was arrested for drunk driving. Whilst awaiting his trial, he murdered two more women. 
47-year-old Marguerite Walls and 20-year-old student Jacqueline Hill. This year, 1980, Sutcliffe also attacked three other women. They all survived. Euphidia Bandara, Maureen Lee and Theresa Sykes. Trevor Birdsell, the guy with the minivan a few years ago, reported Sutcliffe as a suspect. That information vanished into the paperwork. This police force. Terrible. 1981. January 2nd. Sutcliffe is stopped by the police. He's with a sex worker. The police check found that Sutcliffe had false number plates. Sutcliffe was arrested. He was questioned again about the Yorkshire Ripper. The next day the police went back to the scene of the arrest. Sutcliffe had hidden two knives, a hammer and some rope in the surrounding area. The police obtained a search warrant for his home and brought his wife in for questioning. When Sutcliffe was stripped at the police station, he was wearing an inverted v-neck sweater under his trousers. The sleeves had been pulled over his legs and the v-neck exposed his genital area. The front of the elbows were padded to protect his knees, as presumably he knelt over his victim's corpses. The sexual implications of this outfit were considered obvious, but it was not made public until the 2003 publication of a book called Wicked Beyond Belief. After two days of intensive questioning, two days, on the afternoon of 4th of January 1981, Sutcliffe suddenly declared he was the Ripper. Over the next day, Sutcliffe calmly described his man many, many attacks. Weeks later, he claimed God told him to murder the woman. He displayed emotion only when talking of his youngest victim, Jane MacDonald. Sutcliffe was charged on the 5th of January. At his trial, he pleaded not guilty to 13 charges of murder, but he did plead guilty to manslaughter. The basis of his defence was that he claimed to be a tool of God's will. Sutcliffe said he heard voices that ordered him to kill prostitutes while he was working as a grave digger. He said the voices originated from the headstone of a Polish man, Bronislaw Zapolski, and that the voices were that of God. He pleaded guilty to seven charges of attempted murder. The prosecution intended to accept Sutcliffe's plea after four psychiatrists diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. The trial lasted two weeks. Sutcliffe was found guilty of murder on all counts and was sentenced to 20 concurrent sentences of life imprisonment. The jury rejected the evidence of four psychiatrists saying that he had paranoid schizophrenia. The trial judge said Sutcliffe was beyond redemption and hoped he would never leave prison. He recommended a minimum term of 30 years to be served before parole could be considered, meaning Sutcliffe would have been unlikely to be freed until at least 2011. On the 16th of July 2010, the High Court issued Sutcliffe with a whole life tariff, meaning he was never to be released. Whilst in prison, James Costello, a violent criminal, plunged a broken coffee jar twice into the left side of Sutcliffe's face. Good, the bastard. (laughs) 
Sutcliffe was sent to Broadmoor Hospital for a short stay under the Mental Health Act. His wife divorced him, obviously. Yeah, he, he didn't make many friends in prison, obviously. I mean, he's not a nice guy. Um, even prisoners have standards, uh, but he kept getting attacked, which is brilliant. Like, amazing. Good people. Well done, prisoners. So, um, he was nearly strangled with a pair of headphones. He was blinded with a pen in one eye. And now we come to 2020. This year finally did something good. It finally did something that wasn't horrible. It killed Peter Sutcliffe. Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, is dead. Thank you, COVID-19. There we have it, episode six of the Dead People podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for going through all the gory details, all the murders, too many murders, horrendous. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as you could enjoy this. Um, Bit grim, but yeah, that's it. I never have to research this horrible man again, which is lovely. But yeah, Um, yeah, I'm just, thanks for listening and uh, stay safe don't die and uh i'll see you soon bye